0: The late Middle Ages were a rough time to be alive in England. By the early 15th century, the Hundred Years' War with France had been dragging on for decades. Crop failures and famine were common. Peasants were in revolt. And on top of all of it, the bubonic plague raged through the country, killing nearly a third of the population. You could say it was a rather bleak time. And the church was not exactly a beacon of hope in the middle of all of this. Corruption and scandal were widespread, and the church leadership was deeply entwined with the politics of the time. The pope had left Rome for Avignon, and there would soon be a schism with rival popes simultaneously issuing decrees from France and Italy. In the middle of this mess, a young woman in England had a vision of Christ. She was deeply ill at the time and the visions began when the priest came to administer her last rites. She saw Jesus suffering on the cross and speaking to her. The visions lasted for several hours and in the end, she was healed. The experience profoundly changed her life and she spent her remaining years as an anchoress, living alone in a single room attached to a church in Norwich, England where she reflected on what she had seen that night and wrote about it. Among the many beautiful passages in her book, Revelations of Divine Love, Julian of Norwich wrote this, for as the body is clad in the cloth and the flesh in the skin and the bones in the flesh and the heart in the trunk, so are we, soul and body, clad and enclosed in the goodness of God. There's a reason people keep returning to this book nearly 700 years later. In this time of extraordinary suffering and uncertainty, Julian saw the goodness and love of God not off in some distant place, but permeating all of life. Her words are vivid and poetic and profound. I'm sharing that bit of Julian's writing with you this morning for a couple of reasons. I have seen lots of people turning to the writings of monks and nuns and hermits over the last weeks because, well, we have all been living quasi-monastically to some extent. We've all had to distance ourselves from our usual routines and the bustle of crowds, and we found ourselves largely confined to our homes, either alone or with just a few others. It makes sense then to turn to people who have experienced this before who have distanced themselves from ordinary social life and have found life and wisdom precisely there. And the witness of Christians who have done this over the ages, who have set themselves apart, whether for weeks or months or years or decades, is that we are never really alone. In quiet, in solitude, in community, in work, in prayer, wherever we are, God is there. That's what Julian saw in her own illness, and then in her years of solitary reflection and prayer. God is with us always, nearer even than our breath. So that's one reason for sharing some of her words with you this morning in this time when we are still separated as a community, still practicing social distancing. She reminds us that though we may be far from one another, we are never far from God's goodness and love. Here's another reason besides. Her words remind me of our reading from the Gospel of John today. In a little while, Jesus says, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Just try to follow the prepositions there. Jesus is in the Father, and the disciples are in Jesus and Jesus is in the disciples. It sort of turns your mind upside down and inside out when you think it through, but Jesus's point is clear. You disciples are not on your own. You are woven right into my life and into the life of God. Or to put it Julian's way, just as the heart is in the chest, so are we, soul and body, clad and enclosed in the goodness of God. This wasn't just casual conversation Jesus had with his disciples on the road one afternoon. It's his last night with the disciples here, and the air is thick with uncertainty and fear. Jesus has told his friends that he will be with them only a little while longer, and they're understandably worried about all the changes ahead, about losing their beloved teacher. In our passage this morning, he's clearly preparing the disciples for his departure. On this night when separation was clearly coming, Jesus assured his friends that they would never really be apart. You are in me, he told them, and I am in you. It's quite a promise. And you might have noticed that it's not the only promise in this passage. I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. I don't know about you, but I sometimes have a difficult time knowing how to talk about the Holy Spirit. There's lots to say about God the Creator and about Jesus, of course. There are stories and images galore when it comes to those two. But the Spirit is trickier. I've heard some Lutherans refer to the Spirit as the shy member of the Trinity. Even our usual images for the Spirit—wind, flame, a dove—they're all things by definition that you can't hold onto very well. They all slip through your fingers. But the Gospel of John has its own way of speaking about the Spirit, and it is wonderfully clear and vivid. Jesus promises to send another advocate. You could say another comforter, or companion, or helper. Any and all of those translations work. The Greek word literally means one who comes alongside another. That's what the Spirit does according to this gospel. It comes alongside you. God will give you another advocate, Jesus says. Not the first, but another. So who was the first? Well, Jesus, of course. That's how this gospel has spoken about him all along. He's the embodiment of God's life, God's mercy, God's peace. And he came alongside us so that we might know what God is like. No one has seen God, says the first chapter of the Gospel of John. It's God's only son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Jesus came alongside humanity to make God known. And he promises here that another will come alongside his disciples to continue that work to keep making God known to them, to remind them of what they've been taught, to show them that they are never alone, but are in fact woven into the life of God. That is the wonderful promise that Jesus gives here. And I can think of at least two ways that we might respond to it. The first is simply to lean into it. That's what promises are there for, after all, to be trusted. And we sure have the opportunity to do that right now. In these days when we may feel isolated or distant from community or cut off from many usual practices of our faith, the promise here is that we are never alone. The Spirit comes alongside us as our comforter, our helper, our guide. So lean into that promise. Trust that you are not left orphaned. Trust that the Spirit is there alongside you. Trust that the Spirit will remind you of God's presence and will help make God known to you wherever you are. So that's one way we might respond. And here's another. We can let this promise shape how we live. The Spirit comes alongside us to remind us that we are held in God's love and we can do the same for others. It's not a bad description of our calling as Christians, right? Coming alongside others to remind them that they are held in God's love. And here in the middle of a pandemic, it is an especially vital calling that we have. I don't know just what it might look like for you right now. Maybe it means making a phone call to someone who may be grieving or lonely or out of work and simply listening with a generous ear. Maybe it means writing a letter or sending a card to someone whom you know could use a word of encouragement. Maybe it means signing up with a group from our congregation to work alongside others, packing bags of food to be distributed to people who are hungry here in Geneva. Jesus tells his disciples that loving him looks like keeping his commandments. And one of the great ways we do this is by accompanying others to listen, to encourage, to comfort, to remind them they are loved. That is how we're gonna make it through this strange and frightening time that we're in. By leaning into the promise that the love of God holds us wherever we are. By remembering that we are not on our own, but we are in this together. By trusting that the Spirit is there alongside us. By coming alongside others. The Spirit is with us, friends, to accompany us, to give us strength for this work, to remind us that we are all, soul and body, clad and enclothed in the goodness of God. Amen.